opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind, I'm Brian McAllen. Blind world-class adventurer, athlete, writer, and speaker, Eric Weinmayer was on a previous episode of this show, talking about his life and how he worked his way up the ranks. Now he's back to talking about his new book called No Barriers. After climbing up to the top of Mount Everest in 2001, Eric's expedition leader, Pasquale, or PV, told the adventurer, quote, Don't make Everest the greatest thing you ever do, end quote. In No Barriers, Eric explains his response to this challenge and tells the story of his professional and personal struggles pursuing family, learning, growth, and the dream of kayaking, one of the globe's greatest rivers. Eric will also talk about his upcoming No Barrier Summit in Lake Tahoe. Welcome back, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me back. It's great to have you back here, too. Um, let's get to know you first, though, Eric, for some of those listeners who may be listening to the show for the first time. We talked about your life story and your blindness a lot during my previous interview with you. But just to refresh our listeners' memories, how did you become blind and pursue your dream as a blind adventurer? Well, it's actually a very rare genetic disease. It was called retinoschisis, juvenile retinoschisis. So uh, my parents noticed that I wasn't tracking things visually very well. And that led to a round of doctor's visits. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with me and finally diagnosed this disease that had no cure. And by the time I was a freshman, about a week before my freshman year in high school, I went totally blind. I remember that moment. I couldn't see to take a step. I knew like blindness was here. Those first days in the cafeteria and school as a freshman, you know, you get led into school for the first time. That's not a very good way to be popular in freshman year in high school. Sitting at the cafeteria by myself, just listening to all the excitement and laughter and joy and food fights passing me by. And honestly, going blind was scary, but the fact that I was going to miss out on the food fights was way scarier to me. So now all the audience knows about you. You're definitely an adventurous person, though, and an inspiration to the blind community. You just released this new book. It's called No Barriers. It talks about the response to one adventurous challenge. What was that challenge? Well, really, it's a thread of things running through our lives. And PV's challenge came pretty surprising to me because, you know, you come down from Everest and you're just crushed you know you're you're really tired and you're thinking about home and just relaxing and drinking lattes and enjoying life and smooth sidewalks that won't kill you and then he says don't make this the greatest thing you ever do and it made me think like what do i want my life to be you know uh people were giving me offers all around the world to go run with the bulls in pamploma and i was like i don't want to get gored by a bull that means nothing to me <laughs> so i didn't want to be like a blind stunt man or a blind evil Knievel. i wanted the things that I do and pursued to be meaningful. So really, it's uh, the things that that led to were the threads that run through your life that are very messy in a way. You know, life isn't tied up in a nice, neat bow. 
But at the same time, it's so surprising when you reflect how coherent those threads are that weave through your life. One of them was going and working with blind kids in Tibet and working with blind kids in uh, all around uh, the world that led to people with disabilities and it led to uh, kayaking the Grand Canyon. It led to adopting my son, Arjun, from Nepal, thinking about how to be a good dad to him. And it led to growing this movement that we call No Barriers. And those threads actually were weave sort of uh, pretty cohesively through my life. Let's talk about Tibet. You got a big congratulations after all these experiences of going up to the top of Mount Cook, New Zealand. You took on that challenge to keep going. And you also climbed to the top of, tell me if I have this word right, little Kosciuszko, Australia. Is that uh, correct? There's so many ways to pronounce it. Kosciuszko. Uh, yeah, the Australians say it differently. But yeah, it's a the tallest peak in, in the mainland of Australia, which isn't actually that high. There's nothing too high in the continent of Australia. Um, it's like maybe under 8,000 feet. So That's not bad. Not too bad. After these experiences, you were speaking of Tibet. One of my past guests, the Braille Without Borders founder, Sabria Tenberkin, sent you a big congratulations email from Tibet. Tell us about that message and how you felt after reading it. Well, I've been sitting there thinking about what I wanted to do, what I wanted to pursue, and I got this beautiful letter, and it was a long letter from Sabria. And, you know, for those who haven't heard of her, she was a, a German lady who wanted to get into the German equivalent of the Peace Corps. And they said, essentially, like, we don't send blind people overseas, you're a liability. So she funded her own way to Tibet, you know, scraped up the money. And she was well prepared because she went and studied Tibetology and actually created the Braille system that connected with the Sanskrit language of Tibet. Before that, there had been no way for blind Tibetans to learn Braille. There was no Braille code. So she actually invented it. And then she funded her way over there and rode horseback through Tibet, found kids. They were in dark places for sure. You know, they they were sold into slavery. They were tied to beds in dark rooms. Not an indictment on Tibet or Buddhism, but it was simply a factor that, you know, when you are in the subsistence community and there's just enough food to go around, you're thrashing barley and you need someone to watch the yaks. If you have somebody who's born and the perception is that they aren't able to do that and you have to make decisions as a parent who lives and who dies, who gets fed and who doesn't. It's natural that, you know, disabled people fall to the bottom of the caste system. And then you have to create reasons, cosmic reasons why the world's so unfair, not just chance and genetics. So you create this whole sort of religion and superstition around the fact that blind people have been cursed in a past life. And that's why they are the way they are. And it leads to, as I said, those blind people just being the scourges of society. And uh, Sabria went over there to fix all that. And she wrote me this beautiful letter about these kids' lives and how my climb had affected the kids. And I decided I was going to go over there and help these kids really think big and extend you know, to her message and her work by taking the kids up a 23,000-foot peak on the north side of Everest. And that turned into this amazing adventure where I got to know her kids and got to spend time with Sabria and Paul. 
You're already giving us some clues as to what this no barriers mindset is. But before we get into exactly what that mindset is, we've been I've been giving I've been uh, asking you questions about some of the details and some of the sort of plot that's already been covered in your book. I looked at the little Amazon dot com little mini read through thing before doing this interview today. and But let's get back to the very beginning of the book, more specifically the forward section. ABC News journalist Bob Woodruff, who some of our listeners may know was the one who suffered from traumatic brain injury after a roadside bomb exploded outside Baghdad while he was covering the, the Iraq war for ABC viewers in 2006. Um, how, he wrote that forward section. How did Mr. Woodruff learn about and meet you? And, and just tell us more about the star journalist, too. Well, he's an amazing guy. And he was, uh, I think he was up on like an armored vehicle um, and, and as a correspondent for ABC. And uh, an IED exploded and gave him a traumatic brain injury. It really connected well because he's, with the characters in the book, we work at No Barriers with a lot of veterans who have come home. They even call this PTSD the soldier's disease, although that's not really totally accurate. They've had traumatic brain injuries combined with PTSD, which is sort of like this thing that I studied where the brain gets stuck. It's sort of trauma in the brain and you get stuck and you get stuck in a dark place and it spirals life out of control. A lot of the vets come home with PTSD and traumatic brain injuries, which, you know, are sort of a physical manifestation of that trauma in the brain. Bob Woodruff had to really rebuild his life and he, he, he had to go through this no barriers journey for himself and learned a lot about it. And so he had great insights to share and his forward. As one of the themes that I write about in the book, I think in, at a macro level, all our lives are the same. Whether you're blind or whether you have a traumatic brain injury or whether you have anxiety, whether you're, you know, you have a learning disability, whether you're just scared of taking risks in your life. You know, we all kind of share this, this message of like, we're, you know, we're kind of yearning to break through the barriers that exist in our lives. It's sort of a fundamental human yearning anyway but he came to one of our no barrier summits and he was our speaker and uh and he was a tremendous speaker and i was just a big fan of his so i asked him to write the forward and and he not only uh, wrote it but he read it for the uh, audio edition of the book that's exciting so there's going to be an audio edition there is right now it exists it's on uh itunes and audible excellent but what is the no barriers mindset What what is that mindset though and and who are the other people that you've met who yeah. hold this special attitude to their heart? It's so many people. And I just actually have some representations of in the book within the pages that I've personally met and been impacted by. And I can tell you what No Barriers isn't. It isn't a no- motivational poster that says anything is possible or, you know, you believe it, you can achieve it. You know, these motivational posters, they're just... They turn into cliches and nobody knows what those really wind up meaning. No Barriers is sort of bleeding and flailing your way forward. When we started our No Barriers, that was in Cortina, Italy, believe it or not. It was one of the places that we held our first event. Mark Wellman, who is a paraplegic who climbed El Capitan, and Hugh Herr, who's a double egg amputee, who's an amazing climber, and myself, we were going to go up and do this demonstration climb on this rock face. All these kids with different challenges, you know, amputees and 
who had cognitive challenges and uh, blind kids and deaf kids. They all these disabled kids from that area had gone up the chairlift and they were in this nice hut looking out of this bay window at us climbing this tower outside. Really what No Barriers is, is that uncertain darkness that exists between the safe hut that you're looking out the window, like you're watching TV through that window to the summit, you know, whatever that summit looks like. What does that terrain look like? What is that map that you build that gets you out of that safe place to these exciting, fulfilling th places that you want to be in your life. I didn't think anybody had ever really studied that process, that dark terrain that exists between that refugio and the summit and mountaintop. And so uh, No Berries really became not only my own journey of kayak in the Grand Canyon, but really that studying how people create that map in their lives after falling down, after getting destroyed, crushed, pulverized. And what were the lessons, you know, that, that, that you could take away from that journey? Yes. What, what lessons can you take away from the journey and how can you just get better in your own life? And it's sort of, no pun intended, like that old slogan from Nike, just do it. It is just do it. That's actually a motivational slogan that actually holds true because it, part of it is just do it. I might have told you this last time, but um, one of the characters in the book is Kyle Maynard, who's a big hero of mine. He was born without arms and legs. His arms end at the elbows and feet and legs end at the uh, knees. And he came to one of our summits and wanted to hike with us. And uh, we had no idea how we how he's going to do it. We uh, got bath towels and foam and packing tape and shopping bags and wrapped it all around his stump. He crabbed his way up the mountain with us that day. And it led to amazing things for him. And uh, and so, yeah, sometimes it is when you get started. It's just like you have no idea what you're doing, but you put some packing tape and some bath towels together. You just do it. Exactly. And there is some flailing and some bleeding along the way. And that's where the courage part comes in. You know, these decisions that take some courage that you know have the potential to propel you forward along that map or the decisions that we make that stop you in your tracks. The book not only covers your professional and personal struggles, as I mentioned earlier, with pursuing family, learning, growth, but also your dream of kayaking, the Colorado River at the Grand Canyon. Tell us about this exciting feat you took. Well, when you're up in mountains, you dream about other things that you might be doing because you're cold and miserable and hungry. So we thought about kayaking and rivers. And my friend Rob Raker, who was one of my climbing partners, was telling me, I can teach you how to do a combat role. Which is a little tricky when you're blind because, you know, you can't look at a video of somebody doing it and look at all the pieces and how to put it together. You kind of have to go through the uh, learning process more kinesthetically. Anyway, well, we got in a lake and he showed me how to roll. And after a couple of hours, I had four shaky rolls and I said, hey, would you guide me down a river? And and that became this wonderful journey that led me to the Grand Canyon. Also, because I'd been away so much as a blind person, as doing expeditions, I wasn't able to be with my family and my daughter. I was on Everest when she took her first walk and her first step. So rivers are a way that you can bring your family along. While I was learning to kayak, they were in a raft kind of having their own adventure. And then in the afternoon when we finished and we get off the river, we could meet together on the beach and hang out and have these incredible moments where we're sharing the day and all the challenges and tribulations of the day. You treated yourself to a little extra food and then you also were in a parade, right? I think after Everest, I wrote about, you know, the fact that, you know, after PV threw out that challenge to me, you go on this celebration 
I think I ate seven chocolate croissants one day after Everest. I couldn't stop eating chocolate croissants. And um, I remember also uh, being the grand pooba at our parade in Golden, where we're throwing candy out to the kids at the parade. And, you know, all that parade and all the successes and all the media was on the cover of Time magazine. All that was cool. But again, what PV was saying was like, quit looking backwards. Sometimes those things, whether they're successes or failures in our lives, become our funeral. And he was saying, look forward and use this experience as a springboard to new and surprising and exciting directions in your life. And in a way, that's like a perfect metaphor for the book, because these sometimes bad things happen to us in our lives. And, you know, one of the counterintuitive things that that, that I learned, which is through all these people in the book, is that they do an, a counterintuitive thing. They take those hardships. And instead of like turning outward and reeling and reacting and blaming the world, they sort of turn inward and they sort of commit to growing this light inside, whatever that may look like, you know, and growing it and nurturing it and using it and owning it. And then they kind of take that and use it as energy. And that energy becomes a thing that sort of propels them forward to these new places. And that's what No Barriers has been for me. That's great. Now, what about this? uh upcoming summit in Lake Tahoe this summer, the Snow Barrier Summit. Tell us about this exciting event and how our listeners can sign up. Well, we started with just a few hundred people and now we're, you know, holding events with over a thousand people at these uh, mountain resorts. People can sign up at nobarriersusa.org. The summit is really a celebration of how we break through barriers. When I'm sitting at a table at No Barriers, like eating breakfast with the community, you might have somebody who's blind sitting next to me. And you might have a person with a full heart transplant. There might be a little person there. If somebody struggled with obesity who's lost some weight to be there and knows that they got to lose more weight. A lady with a MS, a corporate leader who is trying to figure out how to lead his or her team in a no barriers way, an injured soldier. And you're just like, wow, this is this is such a diverse community of people all trying to figure out how to break through barriers. And what we do is we bring in people we call pioneers. There are uh, people who have lived through these challenges and broken through barriers of their own and really pushed the envelope. They're sharing ideas and mindsets and tools and innovations with the community, either giving them ideas or tools or innovations, but also sometimes just sharing some motivation and some ideas. Also then coming together as a community saying, we're not going to sit around waiting for ideas and opportunities to be plopped in our lap. You know, we're not going to sit in that dark place, you know, listening to life go by, uh, like I worried about in the cafeteria. We're going to take charge and we're going to be proactive and we're going to be a strong community and we're going to grow together. You really, I think that's what America is about, right? I mean, we got a kind of in a tough political time right now, you know, lots of people are reeling and reacting and not really knowing what to do, but we got to get back to growing community to saying like, we own this. And we're going to be no barriers. We're going to get back to grit, innovation, this no barriers mindset that is going to propel us forward. If we don't get back to that, we'll just continue to reel. So where in Tahoe is the summit going to be? It's at a place called Squaw Creek, which is sort of near Tahoe. So it's real accessible to places like San Francisco and L.A. and Fresno, all around the sort of uh, west. And and then, you know, easy to jump on a plane and, and head to uh, Reno. I think you'd fly into Reno or San Francisco, and then you would uh, 
you would drive up into the mountains or we provide transportation for people. And then you come and then you'll just be part of this community. And the people that you see will blow you away. We've had John Bramblett, who's a blind painter. Uh, I mean, he's a blind painter and he's a professional blind painter. He teaches people how to do tactile art. And other folks like Ann Cunningham, who have been to our summit and have taught tactile art to people. Um, we've had Daniel Kish come out, who's taught flash sonar to our, our community. On and on, just people who will come out and blow your mind. And you can not only listen to these people, but interact with them in workshops. It's very active. It's all about sort of being active and getting to experiment with these new ideas. John Bramlett, he was on a previous episode of this show, too. In fact, he was one of my first guests. I'm a big fan of his. I went, I went into his uh, tactile art clinic, and um, uh, my art was not quite at his par. <laughs> but it was, <laughs> yeah, it was that's so okay. Funded. Not all of us are artists. That's for sure. I'm not an artiste either. I have the most terrible drawings myself. I even could draw and handwrite like a three-year-old. That's why I use a computer more. Where can our listeners buy your new book? And in what formats? You mentioned audio, but are they also in printed and tactile formats too? Yeah, so the National Braille Press, as we speak, are working on the uh, Braille edition. So it'll be an electronic Braille edition that you can work through the National Braille Press to, to get that. Eventually, you know, it's only been out two weeks, so... Eventually, I hope the Library of Congress and the Services for the Blind, Library Services for the Blind, will get it out on audio. Uh, and then um, what used to be called Recordings for the Blind and Dyslexic will get it out there. Um, and I'm happy to work with those folks to, to make that happen. So I'm not an expert on navigating all of how to make that happen. But if anyone's listening and knows how to help get that stuff done, great. But it will be out in Braille and it is an audio. And then right now, uh, for those who can see, there is a hardcover. It's got amazing photos, lots of photos from uh, all these different adventures as well. That That's great. And everybody could see what you did, wh what mountains you actually climbed, right? But I've been really careful, yeah, that the book and, and the photos are not like an ego trip, like look at Eric climb and look at Eric kayak. <laughs> it gets boring mm -hmm. after a while. It's really about the people and the things that I've learned. So the photos really are more like about the story of No Barriers, about um, people like Hugh Herr, who's that double leg amputee who basically had to climb back after losing his legs. And Mark Wellman, who climbed El Capitan. And Mandy Harvey, who's a professional deaf musician who has been to our summits performing and has this incredible story of climbing her way back and becoming, I think, the only professional deaf musician probably in the world. Maybe one of a handful, people like Kyle Maynard, people like some of the veterans who their lives just get spiraled downward with drugs and alcohol and terrible things. And then they have to sort of make these hard decisions to like, how do I climb out of this hole? What are those no barriers ways that I can bring into my life to equip myself for the journey? So yeah, really the book is so much more about that than it is about thumping, pounding your chest on the top of mountains. Absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, but um, my website is touchthetop.com. So if anyone has questions or wants to reach out, feel free to do that with us. We love hearing from our community. And, uh, you know, I really think that this uh, book is something that has such a powerful message. I want to spread it far and wide. I want no barriers to be a household word. I want people to understand what that means in their lives. It's very different for people. I feel like we as a community, we as 
a blindness community, we as a nation sort of really need a little no barriers right now. If we can get the book some national attention and spread that message, then it'll really bring a lot of people into our programs. It'll bring a lot of people into the understanding of what the movement means. I think it'll also bring a lot of people out of some dark places and into the light. And and that's what we're hoping for. Eric, you're an inspiration into instilling the can-do attitude into the lives of blind people. Thanks for all you do. And thanks so much for joining us again today. Thank you. Before we go, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind, or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website. That's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My email address is speakout at acbradio.org, and my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash the dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Danny, how would you like to be Playmate of the Month? Mom. This is Saving the 70s. I think I love you. Women want respect. They don't want to be looked upon as just a pair of legs or a pair of... Saving the 70s. Willie just won't go. Obviously, he needs more fiber in his diet. Hi, I'm Mike Walker, and I host Saving the 70s. Heard Saturday mornings from 8 to 11 here on ACB Radio Interactive. I'm well aware that they're only airing the show because it makes for cheap filler between the good stuff, but I hope you'll listen anyway. Sit on it, Richie. The American Council of the Blind has established the Legacy Society to honor and recognize individuals who have communicated their intentions to include ACB in their estate plans via a bequest or another type of planned gift. We want to acknowledge individuals for including ACB in their will while they are still living so that we can thank them for their commitment to perpetuating ACB's good work for years to come. Says ACB President Kim Charlson, more information about the Legacy Society and how you can help is available from Tom Tobin, Director of Development at ttobin, T-T-O-B-I-N, at acb.org, or by phone at 800-424-8666, option 5. Thank you for listening to ACB Radio and for considering ACB's future financial needs.